Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I have the pleasure of sharing with you a conversation I had with Jason and Jody Womack. They recently came out with a book called Get Momentum, How to Start When You're Stuck. And not only do we talk about that specific topic, but we talk about delegation, teamwork, setting priorities and sticking with priorities, or knowing when to shift your priorities, but especially how to get some practical action done towards some quick wins to, you guessed it, get momentum. Speaking of getting momentum, you need to head on over to aweber.com slash to do and check out the free resource that they have there that is going to inspire you and educate you and get you started and help you gain momentum in creating your first online course, recording your first YouTube video, recording your first podcast episode, getting your first 50 subscribers for your email list, creating your first shareable images, or even your first Facebook ad. If any of those are one of the things that are nagging at you as the next step that you know you need to take, or if you don't even know what the next step is that you need to take, this may give you guidance by checking out these checklists and inspiration and the inspiration that is found here by AWeber. Head on over to aweber.com slash to do. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash T-O-D-O. Thanks again to AWeber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To-Do List. Again, go check that out and get momentum and enjoy this conversation with Jason and Jody Womack. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show for the first time, for the first time in a long time, actually, two people at once, but for the first time ever, Jason and Jody Womack. Jason, Jody, welcome. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Big wave from California. Hey, nice. good to be here. Thanks so much for having us. You guys have done something pretty cool, which one, it's no small feat in and of itself that you guys are husband and wife and you work together. So we may have to go down that rabbit trail and say, have you found any best tips, tricks, practices, whatever, when it comes to that? In fact, I just asked, so why don't you go ahead and answer that first? Uh, you know, we have a motto that's, that, that it goes this way. We're stronger together. And then if I can give everybody a tactic, those people out there who are working with a spouse, a partner, a friend, uh, right now we're living in the Silicon Valley for the month, Eric, and you know a lot of people want to co-found something with a best friend because they get along so well. If I can give one piece of advice, it would be work on what we call recovery time. So that's how long does it take when something goes weird to get back to normal because things do go weird and there's a lot to do. Uh, we joke around that in writing the book that we just published, Jason wrote the book and I deleted it. So when we go through our systems and when we go through our process, we're really very different. And you'll hear that, I'm sure, than the way we answer questions. But uh, it's good to know who you're partnering with at a very deep level. Well, and I know you guys basically have taken different you know, personality, work style, all that kind of stuff, tests, and you're complete opposites. So how do you figure that out? 
in the mix Dude, of it. I'm telling you, letter for letter, um, color for color, animal for animal, uh, we we line up on the opposite sides, which we'll both tell you, you know, in the beginning of a relationship 24 years ago now, uh, it drove us crazy. Things that Jody could do, and uh, she's sitting right here, so uh, I'll say it out loud, but there's things that we can do that because of the way we are literally makes the other person n- n- nutty if... <laughs> If it's a technical technical term, term. Um, if and when we realize, oh my gosh, Jason's strength is, and I tend to fall in uh, on this side of the ledger. Jody's strength is, and that whole stuff, you know, about strengths finder and and do do what you're put on the planet to do and do what you love and the money will follow. I've always found all those things are true if you have the right team. Do you consider yourselves a team of two or are there more people involved? We're definitely a team, Jason and I. And in the last year or so, we've really grown to build our company. And we realize there's a lot of work that we have no business doing. And it's that uh, trap that a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in where they try and do everything because they can. And that's our problem a lot of times is that we're competent enough And the real stretch goal for us was to let go of things like WordPress updates and data entry and QuickBooks. And what do you say, Jay? You know, I would say there's there's these terms out there, right? Hustle and bootstrap. And what I what I like to do is pull a Benjamin Franklin here. So, you know, open up your notebook. Everybody do this. Open up your notebook, uh, put a line from the top to the bottom halfway through the page. And on one side of the page, what I'll do is I'll write down what would I like hustled. And then the other side is what would I like to hustle? And there are things that I want hustled that Jody said I have no business doing. Eric, I was spending weekends uh, watching YouTube videos of WordPress plugin compatibility. (laughs) And for some people, that's their game, right? Like that's what they love to do and that keeps them up at night. For us, that's just one little operational detail that really that's not our skill set. So the best thing we could do is get out of that mode and get into content creation and talking to people. That's where we really shine. So that's been a big one for us. So, and it led, it came from that question. We now have a, a dev team, a marketing team, a accounting and, and taxes team. So we've really learned to, to hand things off that we don't love doing. That's awesome. I know that most people would aspire to have something along those lines, even if they're not, you know, husband and wife or co-founder and co-founder or whatever, whatever the scenario is that they, they definitely want to have, like they got into doing the thing for a reason, whatever it is. And somewhere along the line, they've felt like they've gotten into a rut. They've gotten stuck. And you guys talk about that actually a lot in this book. If, in, in fact, that's part of the, the, the title. It's part of the title. It's the, t- you know, it's the part that's read on the title. Every and – I, and I put company in small letters. And, and look, at the, the only purpose to found something, the only purpose to start something where you're going to charge people for what you do, uh, whether you're going to be a, a wedding photographer, a, a, a musician at, 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 at parties – a software startup, whatever that is, one purpose, right? To make money. Now, in order to make money, we all know this, it's going to take money. So what I like to do is with every business that I've ever gotten to be a part of advising or consulting, we take a piece of paper. You'll notice there's a theme to my work here, paper and pen. Yes. Um, but there's, you know, there's anywhere between four and seven columns that I'd really encourage everyone to think. And the point of this, let me jump to the end and then I'll back up to get there. The end of this is, 
to know when, how, and what to delegate. When, how, and what. And so these four to seven columns, I'll just give you the first four that jump to my mind. There's going to be executive, there's going to be admin, there's going to be uh, finance, and there's going to be marketing. I'll do product, so five. What I would do starting right now is keep track. Probably going to take you less than 30 days, but keep track of the activities you do that fall under executive. And that's strategy setting, decision making, activities you do that fall under finance. Once you come up with the 10 to 20 things that must be done underneath each one of those columns, it's almost like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. It starts falling down in front of me at what things I need to take a look at and just get rid of, move off of. Jody had a great comment. I heard her yesterday in a presentation we shared on stage, and she talked about as an entrepreneur, she likes to say yes to more things, which actually flies in the face of convention. But here's what we realized. When we say yes to things and we put our full heart, our full brain, our full love, our full passion, those things that were going to come up that we would have said no to, they never even appear. So why do you think that is? Why, why do they not even appear? Is it because we're, we've, we've have such a laser focus now? Uh, I would say two things on the intrinsic or internal. Yes, there's there's that that you know that cognitive dissonance. I cannot hold on to two competing thoughts at one time. If I've fallen in love with writing this book with my wife called Get Momentum, and then someone comes around and says, "Hey, Jason, would you put together a course on something completely different?" It's like no, I. <laughs> Actually, it wouldn't even show up, and that's the external. Why? Because the community, your network, the people following you, when they start seeing you write about, picture about, blog about, or speak about that one thing that you've said yes 100% to, it acts as an arbiter. You're not the person that they could come to to talk about something. It's almost like a public prioritization in a sense. Once you get clear what you want to be known for, and we talk about that in the book, it really helps with priorities because until you know, everything is a priority or nothing's a priority and you're just doing things as they pop up in your inbox or as you get requested. And so it's great to get clear about what you love doing, not just what you have to do, but what you love doing, what you want to be doing more of. And that's when that shows up more often and in bigger scenarios. Definitely. And, and I've talked to people in the past about that, you know, whether it's about life planning or it's about, you know, reordering your, your to-do list, <laughs> as simple as that, that it goes from a micro to a macro level. And I, and I think you guys are jiving right with that. If you stay in with your to-do list and all the little things, you'll never get done. It'll keep filling up. You'll get to zero, but by the next morning, it'll be back up in the hundreds. So do yourself a favor and and figure out what some of the big things are so that you make time for that and then the rest will fall away. The to-do list in a sense is almost the weeds and they always keep growing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're, and if you stay down in there with them, then you'll never get out of them. You know, we have a we have a tactic about that that we actually write about in the book. We call it the 30/30 rule. And it's something that I, I accidentally discovered a couple of years ago when, when something showed up in my personal life. Uh, I'll explain it and then we can back into it because I think this is something, Eric, that when people walk away, you know, everyone is, is attempting to get to those 
important, not urgent things that we all remember Eisenhower writing about while he was planning the D-Day invasion, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that whole thing about how do we work on what we know is important without getting overtaken by that latest text message, instant message, someone tapping on our shoulder, knocking on the door, if those of you who are working in an office. And the 30-30 rule, is, it's uh, you know, easy to say and, and, and complex to implement. 30 minutes a day on something that's not due for 30 or more days from today. And so the, the challenge here, uh, I offer it to anybody, uh, open your calendar and go out 30 days from today, find something that week and ask yourself, what will I wish I had started working on sooner? Or what probably needs a little bit of thinking, might need a little bit of, of, of planning. And I promise you, if, if you're half as busy as some of the people that you live with, love with, and work with, there's going to be something. Uh, originally, when I started doing this, I applied it to my personal life. You know, what birthdays are coming up? What anniversaries are on the horizon? What graduation is appearing four, six, eight weeks from now? And I started working these little 30-minute chunks on things that were 30 days away. And in a year and a half, A, I haven't missed a day. And B, I'm constantly on time or ahead with most things. This idea of picking one thing and moving it forward, because we all feel like, you know, I've, I, I want to improve my the my day job. I want I have this side project I want to work on. I've got some things with maybe my marriage or my kids or even friends and, and networking, and I want to push all of them ahead all at once. Is that something you would advise people to do? <laughs> you know, everyone's going to try what they hope works until it doesn't. Uh, you know, I had a, a, a buddy of mine, Marshall Goldsmith, wrote an excellent book called "What Get You Here Won't Get You There." Um, th- that idea of there's not anybody listening to this podcast that hasn't sat down, reordered their to-do list, hoping that that would be the magic sauce. So let me give you an analogy that could work for a couple of folks. This has worked for me for a, for a long, long time. I don't play billiards, pool, but the game was explained to me one time in a way that I've always remembered. And they said, Jason, it's not about the white ball hitting the green ball and going in the pocket. It's about the white ball hitting the green ball and then leaving itself to hit the blue ball. What does that mean? It means while I'm working on that most important thing, MITs is what I called them in my previous book, while I'm working on that most important thing, A, can it simultaneously in any way be pushing one of my other most important things down the track? Or when I do lift my head and come out of that, am I left in a position to take on the next MIT in an excellent fashion? So, so if I can give a quick example of that, while Jody and I were writing the book, uh, we submitted the book proposal on a Monday morning. This was back in May of 2015. Uh, we submitted the proposal on Monday. We got the contract on Wednesday, and the book was on the shelves 50 weeks later. And during that time, we had a lot of, I was still speaking full-time. Jody was doing her coaching full-time. We were running the Get Momentum Leadership Academy full-time. Every writing session, every research session, every interview session, I was always looking to see how many of those MITs could that interview address, touch, or handle. And so it's not so much that I'm working on independent things simultaneously. I'm almost ordering it like dominoes. Mm -hmm. And can I put those dominoes close enough so that one falls and hits the next 
without me having to completely regroup or restart. That's a great way to look at it. I hadn't ever thought about it that way before. And I think it's a really great answer to that question of if I'm focusing on one thing and I'm moving it forward, you know, for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days in the different timeframes and milestones, am I leaving all this other stuff behind? In other words, how do I, I've said no to all the, the, the wrong things and I'm continually saying yes to the right thing in order to push that one thing forward with momentum. But man, there's still all these other things that are, you know, left, right and whatever, and I'm capturing them to eventually do, but I love the idea of dominoes because if as I'm going, oh, hey, I can pull this one thing that just came up the other day, and I know I can't do it right now, but I can do it indirectly as I'm doing this, this other thing that, that is in my you know, primary focus. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, can, I, can I give a real practical example of this, Eric? Do we have time? Oh, totally. Anybody out there who's planning a vacation with your family, uh, if you're the, the quote-unquote head of the household or if you're the teenager who's going to be dragged along on this thing. I got a buddy of mine who just took his family to Europe. for They did a 16-day tour of Italy. And three months before they left, he invited me over for dinner, and we had a little conversation before. But the conversation I led, and I asked the wife, I asked my buddy, and I asked his two teenage kids – I said, hey, what's your vision of an ideal fifth morning of vacation? Because here's the deal. They were all stoked and excited about day one. They were all really excited about that. Uh, he bought business class tickets to get from California to Italy. I mean, they were trying to download movies to plug into the airplane video system, right? But when we started talking about what's that fifth day, what's that eighth day, all of a sudden what happened is people started sharing what was more important to them. And it's fascinating to me. If I can get that other person to share with me how she or what she is looking at as the MITs, those most important things, look, most stress about what we do or don't do, it doesn't happen in our own minds. It happens the moment we wonder what someone else thinks or what they're going to experience because of how we thought. My life would be so less stressful if I didn't have clients, right? <laughs> There'd be other stressors. And once we can get on the same page, I just had a, a call with a client that I'm working with in Kansas City. Um, they make uh, cool digital equipment that tracks you wherever you go. And uh, the, the only question I asked, and she talked for, Jody, what was it, about 17, 20 minutes. Yeah. I said, what will a success look like for the people who attend my four-hour program. And then, Eric, I shut up. She went on for 17, 20 minutes. We walked away with two pages in my notebook of bullet points. Jason, if you address this, if you talk about this, she's seen me speak before. She says, oh, make sure you tell that one story that you told us. You know, I'm always fascinated. Jody and I don't have kids, uh, but we have friends who have kids. And I'll go visit or, or at night if we're, you know, being the aunt and uncle, um, they'll ask us to read the same story or tell the same story. And so once we identify what is it that we all want and are you on the same page or where are we different, all of a sudden now I've seen to-dos fall off the list, calendar entries fall off the schedule, and really that gold appears of here's not even gold, it's probably platinum, right? Here's where we're going. 
I know that we always hear the idea of, you know, it's good to say no to the, to the wrong things and yes to the right things. And, and, and I get that. And, and my audience gets that as well. I mean, we've, we've heard people say you've got to practice saying no, it's, it's opportunity cost, all that kind of stuff. What it comes down to though, is then they still feel, I mean, I, I, and I get it. Like, I mean, if we, if we start in with, with what we want to be known for and we think about those things, it does help us prioritize, but what if, say, we've set up, you know, our time frame and we're working for a thirty, a thirty or sixty or a ninety-day milestone, but then stuff comes up, like real stuff that changes the direction? How do we handle that? You know, I'd say this is where mentors come in, Eric. Um, I'll be very transparent. The moment that I get thrown for a loop, the moment that something comes in that makes me redecide, reevaluate, reprioritize, if it's if it's a biggie. If something coming in is competing for what I had already intended to do, I call someone smarter than me. I find that I can stay in my own head for hours, if not days, where if I'll sit down with a mentor, if I pull a Brene Brown, if I'm vulnerable, right? If I, if I open up and say, here's where I'm challenged, here's where I'm confused, here's where it hurts, what do you see that I'm missing, and, you know, darn perspective. If you're ever in a, in a bind with your work, um, you know, one of the, the tactics I give folks is just go to your kitchen and pull the ladder out of your closet and just take a two-step up perspective around your kitchen. Because if you can change what you see with this a stinking ladder in your kitchen, imagine what you can, how you can change your perspective if you get someone who's run down that path before. So, for example, when Jody and I sent the book proposal in to Wiley for Get Momentum, the moment they said yes, I went to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, I walked into bookstores and libraries, and I made a catalog of 100 books that were written by couples. I tried to find as many nonfiction ones that I could, and you know, I found some biggies. I found books that were written by Bill and Melinda Gates, uh, by John and Diane Scully, uh, by Bill and Hillary Clinton, and I put all these books in one, one chunk, and I started asking myself, what did they do as a couple that created a nonfiction piece of work that changed the way people looked at the world? And by the way, I wrote to them all. Uh, anybody that I could find an address. Now, a lot of them didn't get back to me. John Scully did, you know, former CEO of Apple. And he read the book, gave us a great quote. I talked to him on the phone. He gave me a couple of ideas about what he and, and Diane are doing to, to raise awareness about their mission to the planet. But the bottom line for me, once something comes in that competes against what I had already decided to do, if it's really pulling at my focus, I've got to sit down with someone smarter than me. And, and and that actually works back to the idea that we we all feel like we have to do all of our work all by ourselves. Right. And that's part of the game is we take on so much and we hold on to so much and we don't have to do it alone. There's a lot of people on your side. Uh Jason's mentioned earlier we're stronger together. I like to say we're smarter get together too. So it's a really good reason to be building your network and connecting to people before you're in need. That's a really important part. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all gotten those kind of desperate emails on LinkedIn and, you know, Hey, I'm out of a job. Do you know anybody? You know, those are, that's a hard time to build your network is when you're in that painful place. 
the best time to network, we always say, is when you have something to give. Uh, so if you can be building these relationships with influential people and building your network with people who actually care about you, when at times get tough, you'll have a handful of people that you can call. And like Jason mentioned, you'll get this new perspective. We've been staying in the Silicon Valley for the last couple of weeks. And so we're getting to meet with some of our mentors in person. And I'll tell you, that's a game changer. Going from on the phone and Skype conversations to be able to sit down, have a glass of tea together and really get to know one another on a much deeper level. I just know I'll be able to contribute to the programs that they're working on. And I know that they're looking out for me and they really want to help us succeed. That network, that networking. I mean, I just came back from a a conference on podcasting up in Chicago last week. And more so than any other thing that came out of that for me was just the fact that there are other people that are doing exactly what you are doing and they may be further ahead or they may be right with you or they may be may be behind you and that you can contribute or get wisdom from uh, all along the way the, the different walks of you know different people in different places that are on that same journey with you and that helps you that even if you're doing the right things Maybe your momentum is waning, but but to be able to see somebody else doing something awesome or to walk alongside somebody else who's doing something awesome along with you, it can perk you back up. It can re-motivate you. Absolutely. When you've got people on your side and talking about what you're doing and contributing new ideas and saying, hey, you know who's done this that would love to play along. And, you know, they're they're adding to the pie. They're adding to the meal. It's just it's so vibrant and fun. I mean, people want to be a part of things that are happening. I love that word momentum. Uh, And one thing I I talk to people about in building their network, because when you're standing still and at zero, that's a hard place to start, right? I encourage people to make one meeting a week, every week. And for some folks, it's going to take a while to get on their calendar. So start now. But if you could have one conversation a week with somebody about your professional growth, your career path, your big project and dreams, your MITs, over the course of a year, that's 50 conversations. Just think of all the little seeds you're planting along the way that'll be building and growing as you go. That's a good point. I think I need to do that myself. <laughs> you know, it's a good show when I'm sitting here like taking notes <laughs> and, and marking where I'm going to listen back to. One of the other cool things is to just acknowledge that you have made progress at some point. You're probably not starting at zero. You've probably put in a bunch of time towards something at some point that even if it's not where you want it to be, it's further along than having not started at all. So if if, if I could take the question that I heard, I don't know what you asked, but here's the question <laughs> I heard. I don't know what I asked either. But <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite story of that, I was actually out at the museum in Washington, D.C. The, uh, the Atlantic Magazine invited me out for a a uh, part of a, a think tank they had. And, and up on stage one day, there was a reporter with uh, Bloomberg, actually, just after he'd finished up as mayor. And uh, the reporter asked a very pointed, very well-crafted, this this really powerful question, Eric. And then, and then Bloomberg, he starts talking. <laughs> and about three minutes later, the reporter jumps in. He says, you know, Mike, you haven't asked, you haven't answered the question I asked. And Mike says, no, no, you didn't ask the question I wanted to answer. <laughs> I just loved it. I That's just awesome. It. 
Um, so, so, you know, let's back up. Now, now we're getting into psychology, brother. Now we're getting into mindset stuff, which yeah. uh, this is really where, where the, gloms, the gloves come off. Because once someone will address the fact that there's a stranger in the mirror, it makes the window that much clearer. And I always encourage people, I said, look it, if you're studying something, if you're trying something, my coaching to you would be to look in the mirror two, three, four times before you look out the window. What does that mean? If I look inside and I study from me, that man in the mirror, one of the things that is is basic, psychological, American, I'm going to say human, but I've only seen this in South America and in, in Europe. I haven't traveled to Asia or Africa, so I have to hold how much I say I know. America is an acknowledgement-starved society. Okay? At the end of the day, there are millions of people who fall asleep at night who have no idea the impact they made. Now, there's teachers, there's doctors, there's service members, there's all kinds of people who helped our country. They helped someone in their family, community, or job. So what you've really touched on for me is something so significant to the power of momentum. Momentum first, this is my opinion, momentum starts inside, then other people notice it. So when you start talking about acknowledgement of accomplishment, of recognition of completion, you're going to see me perk up. So sometimes we have to manipulate it. We have to, um, I'm not going to necessarily say bake it till we make it, but I'll, I'll give everybody listening, I'll give you a five-day challenge. For five days at the end of the day, what I want you to do is to write down one thing you completed and one thing you saw someone else complete, whether or not you tell them that you noticed what they did or not. At the end of those five days, you're going to have these 10 data points and I defy anybody at the end of the day to look back on that day and write down what you accomplished that moved your mission forward and what you noticed someone else accomplished that helped you through the day. I challenge anybody to not feel some kind of re-engagement, re-motivation, or re-momentum. Before I, I got on staff with the, the David Allen Company, I used to teach the Getting Things Done seminars. The five years before that, I was a high school teacher. And one week as an experiment, I just tried something. Uh, at the end of the day, at 6 p.m., Monday through Friday of this one week, I called one student from every class that I taught. And I taught U.S. history, Spanish language. And I made these five phone calls. I called the house. I talked to the student. And I talked to the parent. And all I did was tell the kid and their, their parent what they did right that day, what they finished, what they completed, where I could recognize their effort. By the end of the fifth day, I felt so jacked up about this, I kept on going. Well, first of all, I kept on going for the next four years. But here was the fascinating thing, Eric. I would call one of my kids. I would acknowledge them for doing something. Oh, maybe it was they came to class prepared or, or I know, uh, on the way out one day, this one girl, I remember she kind of organized the desks to be a little bit more in a line. The following day students in other classes were organizing desks dude <laughs> and here's what i realized the kids were talking and here's what they were saying hey if you organize the desks womack will call your mom and tell them you're doing okay and i just thought to myself Oh my gosh. So I took behavioral psychology and here's what I started doing. I started calling kids and acknowledging them th for things that they almost did. 
And that was how we started modifying and balancing. If you want more of anything from somebody, if you acknowledge the effort they made, the, the best book, I've got three books that I'd recommend everyone read. I won't go through them all here, but one of my top three books is called Don't Shoot the Dog. It's by Karen Pryor, and she takes apart the science of behavioral change. Not the hacks, not the tactics, not the, the, the pop psychology, but she takes a look at a very basic human desire. We get recognized for what we do. And if we recognize people for what we do, for what they do that we want them to do, they do more of it. I mean, if, if anybody else is feeling the way that, Eric, you are right now, here's where I would say journaling fixes so many things not because we track where we are where we're off what could have done what we what we did journaling acts as almost like uh for anyone listening who has kids if you bring kids to bumper bowling and they put those those big plastic things in the gutter so the ball never falls in the gutter for me journaling was my way of staying in the lane and always hitting a pin I want to get to the end of the day and reflect back on where did I hit, where did I hit, where did I hit. The more clear that is now, and we're kind of getting to the end of our time together, we're also getting to the end of the book, now we start to take a look at what we change, what we modify, what we do differently. Well, that's an excellent place to to land on because I know you guys, first and foremost, this has been probably the best conversation that I've ever had with somebody who's come on because they have a new book out that that doesn't spend all the time talking about the book. So well done to you guys. I am acknowledging you guys. <laughs> it means a ton because, look, you, let's be very transparent. You and I have listened to enough of those. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, I mean, so kudos sorry. to you two for doing that, first and foremost, which means that then I can unequivocally say – I have read the book, and we've basically done – we've touched on like two to three points that are in there, but there's so much more. And so I want to make sure we aim everybody towards where they can get momentum <laughs> and then also connect with you guys about everything else that you're doing. Absolutely. It's going to be important to know that our book is definitely applied academics at, 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 on speed. Jody and I have degrees. I've got uh, multiple degrees, a master's in education, a master's in psychology. Uh, Jody studied architecture, uh, environmental studies, and psychology. So what we did is we took all of the understanding of how the brain works and how change is made. And then all we did is we carved out every practical tip that you can actually do. And the book was, I use the word accident. I don't know if that's fair. Uh, we didn't mean to write the book. Four years ago, we started the Academy, our, our online version of Get Momentum. And over the years, we kept getting the same well, there are five questions, and we kept hearing these five questions over and over again. So what I'd love to do is have everyone, um, if, you, if you email Jody or I, we'll send you the five questions. We have them as a little PDF. Actually, you know what? Better, if you go to getmomentum.com slash book, you can download the first two chapters for free. You can also download the workbook, and the workbook has all 24 activities in a real nice uh, printout fashion. Um, and all that's free, Eric, so um, just jump over there, uh, getmomentum.com slash book. And uh, if you do wind up picking up the book, uh, let Jody and I know because uh, we'd love to hear what you think. Awesome. I think that this is probably one of the most practical 
application books that I've had anybody talk about or, or that I've that I've honestly personally seen anytime recently. I've seen a lot of theoretical. This is definitely going to. I mean, the fact that you can go grab a workbook <laughs> and work through it means something. Well, that's our hope and goal: is that people use it. This isn't theory. This isn't just need to know. This is actually you can do. It's a short book, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't take me. Well, I'm a quick reader, so I don't know what that equates to for regular people, but (laughs) it took me about two hours. Awesome. That makes us so happy. And, you know, for us average mortals, uh, we're hoping you can read it in an afternoon on a Saturday and then actually do something. Share it with a family member. Share it with a coworker. Say, let's try these two things this week and then meet up again. You know, we lead this academy and that's really what it's all about is the practical application of doing these things because we can all study and read and have all of this knowledge, but until we actually put it to work for us, it doesn't mean anything. And there's a lot of great projects and programs and more amazing things that need to be made by people. And this is the kind of book that helps get those things out into the world and and become real. Well, and if anything's going to give you momentum, it's going to be getting some of those quick wins on the board. And that's definitely what you guys deliver. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Jason, Jody, it has been an awesome time talking with you. I hope we can meet up in person at some point. We will make that happen. I will make that promise. But uh, until next time, thanks for being on the show. Already looking forward to it. And everybody, uh, thanks for hanging out with Eric through all these podcasts. Remember, jump over to iTunes, give him a a five-star rating, and leave a great comment. If it's about this episode, even better. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Thanks. Take good care. Thank you. I really hope that you're walking away from this conversation, much like I did, by seeing a few ways that I can shake things up and move things forward and, again, gain momentum, because it is very much about that. Feeling like you're in motion can help you maintain or even gain more momentum and motion. Make sure to check out all of the items and links mentioned in this episode over at the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 147. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Make sure to get even more momentum by heading on over to aweber.com slash todo. That's A-W-E-B-E-R dot com slash T-O-D-O. Check out the free resource that Aweber has provided for listeners of Beyond the To-Do List. Take that next step with your online presence, whether it's a hobby or a business or just something that you feel like you got to create. Check out that free resource again at aweber.com slash to do. Grab those free resources. Let me know that you did. Thanks again to Aweber for supporting this episode of Beyond the To Do List. If you've learned something from this episode, head on over to the show notes and leave a comment and let me know. Again, that's beyond the to do list.com slash 147. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.
Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.